0: Chapter fourteen of the Mystery of the Chinese Ring by Andy Adams. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fourteen. The Circling Plain The next day, in a small village of only a few mud and thatched houses, Chuba continued his inquiries. This time the second man he asked told of having heard of a big bird roar like the thunders of heaven. It had been seen coming down in the mountains. In mid-afternoon of the second day, after leaving the market town, Chuba came up with more definite information. He was told that a flying man had come down in the foothills near a police outpost called Jaraminka. Chuba was elated by the news that now seemed to be coming to them so easily. "'Too easily,' Biff said. "'How you mean, Biff?' "'I'm not sure, Chuba, but it seems strange to me "'that everyone seems to be helping us along. "'It's as if we are being guided to this certain place.' "'That is not good?' "'Biff shook his head. "'It's too good. It could be a trap. "'I'm pretty sure now that someone has spotted me "'or at least knows I'm in this part of China.' "'How could they know that? You look like Chinese boy, "'not like American Biff Brewster.' "'Biff didn't reply at once. He was thinking.' He was thinking that by asking questions about the House of Quang, about a downed flyer, someone's curiosity had been aroused. Someone was very interested in his search for Charles Keane. Otherwise, how had it been so easy to get the information Chuba had been given? Biff also felt sure that the person or persons responsible for feeding Chuba directional information must know that it was he, Biff Brewster, who was in China. He couldn't drive from his mind the picture of the Chinese with the drooping eyelid. Chuba's description of the man with one eye fitted too closely. Chuba, I think we're definitely being led into a trap. Someone is leading us to the place where my uncle is. It may be friends, it may be members of the house of Kwang, but it also may be enemies of my uncle. They may be holding my uncle prisoner and want to capture me too. "'Don't ask me why, I don't know all the answers, but I've got a hunch. "'If we being led into trap like poor little goat into dragon's mouth, "'maybe we better stop, maybe go different way, "'maybe better give Jaraminka the bygo. go suggested. "'Biff smiled. "'No, we won't give Jaraminka the go-by, "'we'll let ourselves be led into or up to the trap. "'It's our only chance of finding my uncle.' "'We don't have any other leads, but maybe we can get right up to the trap "'and avoid having it sprung on us.' "'The boys climbed a narrowing mountain trail higher into the foothills. "'Nightfall found them in a wild, desolate spot. "'No lights could be seen in any direction they looked. "'At the altitude they had reached, a chill came with the night air. Chuba hurried about searching for dried, dead wood,' He heaped up a large pile. Think it's safe to build a fire? Biff asked. Sure, much safe. Better to have fire and be warm. Better also to have fire to keep mountain bears and wild pigs away. Anyway, who want to catch two boys? I don't know, Chuba. I don't know, Biff replied. The fire was soon blazing, sending out its friendly warmth and brightening the wild spot where the boys had decided to pitch their camp. Chuba had water boiling in a small can ready for the rice which had become their nightly meal. Rice, with some of the strange foods Chuba had purchased, stirred in it. Chow, Biff, we eat. I way out hungry, man. Chuba started ladling out the steaming dish. Hold us a minute, Chuba. Hear anything? Chuba raised his head. Both boys tensed. From far away to the south, there came a low hum not much louder than the buzz of a bee. As the boys listened, the hum grew louder and more distinct. A minute passed. There was no mistaking the sound now. It's a plane, Chuba. a plane. Maybe Sahib Charlie, Chuba shouted. Look, look. Biff was on his feet, pointing. Now the plane was in sight against the darkening sky. It was coming low. Its green starboard wing light and red port wing light were flashing alternately on and off, on and off. The plane seemed to be coming directly at them, as if attracted moth-like to their bright fire. It swooped over the boys so low they both involuntarily ducked. Then the plane circled, roared back over them, and then disappeared over a low ridge to the west. The sound of its twin engines died away. "'I'd bet you anything that was a Cessna, like the job that brought me to Unhia from Rangoon,' Biff said, his voice filled with excitement. You mean like plane that muscles fixed for Sahibs back at camp? That's right, Chuba. Can't be sure though. Maybe he was scouting plane of army. Maybe he was spying on us. Chuba said. Biff's spirits sank. Chuba could be right. Think we better get out of here then. Find another place and hide. Might be a good idea. Biff hate to leave nice warm fire though. And I'd hate to leave just in case that was a plane from Unhea looking for us. Or, as you said, it could just be Uncle Charlie. The boy sat down by the fire. Biff ate his food slowly. The minutes became an hour. Another hour passed. Chubbohar curled up in his long cloak and was sound asleep. Biff looked at the sleeping boy and felt a yawn stretching over his face. He stirred the fire, pulled his long cloak firmly about him and curled up too. He didn't think he could sleep. His mind was too filled with thoughts about the plane. But Biff's resistance to sleep was mostly in his mind, not in his body. Tired, he always seemed tired these days. He dropped off to sleep in seconds. How long he slept, Biff didn't know, but he did know that something had awakened him. He opened his eyes, he listened. He thought he heard a sound just behind a nearby stunted tree. Chuba! he poked his companion. Chuba, wake up! Chuba stirred, rolled over and opened his eyes to look into Biff's face. "'What is it, Biff?' "'I think somebody's watching us, "'from just outside the ring of the fire's light.' Both boys remained silent. Nothing happened. Then the sound came again. Someone or something was certainly watching them. Biff could hear his own heartbeat. He looked in the direction of the sound. A huge figure stepped from behind the tree. As it walked towards the fire, its dancing shadow became that of a giant. "'Well, fancy meeting you here,' the giant said.' "'Muscles!' The boys jumped to their feet. The giant mechanic, a big grin splitting his face, strode up to the fire. Biff and Chuba leaped on him, pounding him on the back. "'Easy, boys, easy. I'm footsore and bone-tired from walking over these here mountains. Never had anything like them back in good old Kentucky.' "'How'll you get here? Was that your plane? Who was flying it? Where'd you land? Is my uncle safe?' Biff's question shot out in a rapid-fire burst. Easy, Biff, easy, one at a time. Now I'll try to answer your quiz programme. No word from your uncle. yet. Yeah, that was me in that plane that flew over here a couple of hours ago. Jack Hudson was flying her. We touched down just long enough for me to hop out. Jack's almost back to Unheo by now. Now, how about a spot of china tea? I'm tired and hungry. Me fix muscles right away. Chop, chop. Chuba got busy. More wood went on the fire. Out came the all-purpose can, this time to boil water for Mussels' tea. Now, what about you two? Give me a fill-in. Biff quickly sketched the happenings since he and Chuba had slipped out of the camp at Unheo. So you think someone spotted you, Mussels asked. I'm sure of it. Someone sure knows Uncle Charlie's being looked for. We've been getting more information than they hand out at Grand Central Station in New York. "'and you've been told that a plane came down near a place called Jaraminka?' "'Biff nodded his head. "'How far is that place from here?' "'Not far,' Chuba replied. "'Maybe a day's walk, if we start early in the morning. "'Here's your tea.' "'Muscles took the hot liquid. "'Well then, Jaraminka, here we come.' "'As Muscles sipped his tea, he told the boys about landing on a cleared, "'level plateau over a ridge of the Thanglung foothills to the west.' "'Not too far from here,' Muscles looked at his watch, "'took me about two hours to walk back to this fire we spotted from the air. "'We couldn't be sure, of course, but we hoped it would be you boys. "'I guess I must have walked almost straight up and down "'farther than I walked straight ahead to get here.' "'And Jack went back?' Biff asked. "'Yeah, but we've got it all fixed. "'When we find Charlie, we're to make our way back to that plateau.' I've got a portable transmitter with me. When we get there, I make a signal. Jack flies in, and it's back to Anheo we go. Muscles made it sound so simple. Biff felt good as he listened to the big man talk so confidently. But there were lots of ifs. If they found Charles Keene If they got back to the plateau. If the signal was heard on time. If Jack could come back in. Biff shook his head. "'It was good to have big muscles with them, though. "'In any trouble, muscles had a lot of weight to throw around. "'Now suppose we catch some more of that stuff called shut-eye. "'Sleep to you, Chuba, and be up and at them early in the a.m.' Chuba catch plenty of eye-shut,' sahib muscles. "'Tomorrow going to be big days.' "'Eye shut,' the two words reminded Biff of the Chinese with the drooping eyelid. "'The two boys and the man stretched out by the fire and slept.' At daybreak, muscles stirred. He rubbed the sleep from his eyes and sat up. Hey, he exclaimed, looks like we've got visitors. Biff and Chupper sat up quickly, standing silently forming a ring surrounding the three and the dying embers of the fire, were eight of the fiercest-looking men Biff had ever seen. End of chapter 14